0: Welcome back, everybody. This is episode four of Making Musicals. And this is double episode Friday today. Uh, I told you in episode three that I was in New York City last Friday, so decided instead of finding a way to record and get stuff done there, I would just enjoy my time and then do two episodes for this Friday. So, making good on that promise. Sitting here at home, I have my oil diffuser running. With my doTERRA Balance Blend. Don't judge me. For those essential oils, everyone, don't judge me. Um, It's very lovely and relaxing uh, to do so. I had it running during episode three as well, so if you heard some weird, like, you know, dribbly water type sounds in the background, uh, it was my oil diffuser. That's what that was and yeah so i'm just sitting here continuing to talk to you about this wonderful thing i love called theater and today i'm going to be talking about music skills what what is necessary how skilled does one have to be in order to write musicals what is expected of one what should you expect of yourself and what is taken over and done by others? So this is something that, uh, can be really intimidating for a lot of people. Okay. Because we're not all Steven Sondheim, right? We're not all Jason Robert Brown. We're not all Alex Lacamoire, um, We, a lot of us, aren't as skilled as some of the most skilled uh, musicians in theater. And that can make you feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, it's not true. There's an entire spectrum, right? There are so many, so many skilled, skilled musicians in theater, um, Most definitely, and many of them, might I add, are women, um, contrary to what the industry seems to want to portray to us all. Um, in fact, I am a member of a wonderful group called Maestra Music, and if you yourself are a female composer or musician of any way related to the theater industry, you need to become a member of Maestra. So M-A-E-S-T-R-A Maestramusic.org. Uh it is organized by Georgia Stitt. I first met her in 2019 in New York City. Um, when I and and she spoke of her organization. And invited me to become a member of it. And it has been an incredibly wonderful uh, group. Supporting women. Encouraging women. Yay! Go women! So yeah, Maestramusic.org, Get on there. And if you... And it's for all women, um, gender non-conforming individuals who are in the theater. In the music, music side of theater. Anyway... There are many very talented people, but there's a whole spectrum of people. And I think that it can be incredibly relieving to hear from people like, say, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, you know, that he's not very good, (laughs) that he's not a very good musician, he's not a very good pianist uh that he does not know music theory that often when he's writing his songs he's just sitting at the piano just you know noodling around trying to find the sound that he likes and when he finds a chord that he likes then he'd call up his friends and be like hey what is this I'm playing you know this 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 and this what is that chord and have them tell him and he'd write that down And Alex Lackamore has even said that, you know, when they're working on the shows that they've collaborated on together, he'll get like, you know, a melody line with some notes, uh, attached and he'll just say, I want it to sound like X. I want it to sound like Y. And, um, it'll be Alex Lackamore's job to bring the whole thing to fruition, right? Create that orchestration, that sound, uh, that lives inside of, Lin-Manuel Miranda's head but he does not know how to get it out and onto the page and he needs someone with those skills so don't be discouraged if you feel that you do not have the level of musical artistry that is displayed at the top tiers of theater because it takes so many individuals to get up to that level um that there is room for you in this industry as a writer, regardless of how advanced you are. Now, that being said, please still continue to uh, get an education, to continue your skills, grow your skills, learn, become better at it, but do not hide away what you were meant to do until some future day when you feel that you're finally qualified to do it. Uh, Because even those who are complete total at the top professionals will tell you they even feel like, um, frauds sometimes, <laughs> you know, imposter syndrome is real. It will always get you. I have learned from my life coach that, you know, to make peace with imposter syndrome, we all have it. And if y'all don't have a life coach, please get one because they are fabulous. Uh, my life coach is Heather. She's based in Florida. I'm in Portland. We do everything over Zoom and she has helped me immeasurably. So shout out to Heather. I will have a link to her website and podcast on the show notes on my website, which is hyrichards.com for Holly Richards.com. hyrichards.com. Um, I'll have a link to hers. Anyway, imposter syndrome is real. Don't let that stop you. So as far as my personal story goes with music, I was picking music out on a musical phone when I was tiny. My parents had given me a, a toy when I was three. I think I told this story in the first episode. They then upgraded me to an electric Casio keyboard. And then when I was six, we got a real piano and I started taking piano lessons. And I took piano lessons through high school I was not the best piano student. Um, I had natural ability, but I lacked discipline for sure. And my play, my piano playing now definitely, uh, or shows that (laughs) definitely gives that away. Um, but nonetheless, I am very grateful to my piano teacher all growing up, Kay Hammond, wonderful woman in my neighborhood. I'd ride my bike over there, have my lesson in her home. Her kids were always so quiet during our lessons. I just, I don't know, those Hammond children, very obedient. Um, and much of my lessons were spent with Uh, Kay telling me to not rock back on the chairs because I was going to break the legs or, you know, this, that, and the other but I found my way around I learned how to read music I learned about dynamics I learned about, you know, correct pedaling that kind of thing but left much to be desired I did not learn music theory through this time we did not focus on that in my piano lessons and when I had an opportunity to be a composition student at University of Utah, in order to get accepted into that composition program, you had to pass a theory exam at the beginning of the semester. And if you didn't pass it, then your classes were dropped and, and you were not any longer a composition student. Oh, excuse me. And, um, I was terrified because I did not know music theory, even though music was my life and I loved it. And I was a singer and I was a performer and I loved to write stuff, even though I didn't know what it really was that I was doing. Um, I knew what sounded right, but I didn't know why. And I didn't know what any of the music theory gobbledygook meant. And here I need to take this huge exam uh, within the next week. And I had no idea where to start. And I was pretty distraught at first. And I basically decided I was maybe not cut out to do this. And so I, I remember after the like information session about like you have to, you know do a sight reading test. You have to do the theory test and all these different things. And I went up to the professor that was presenting this information session. And I said, what do I do if I'm basically certain I'm going to fail this test? And I just remember he didn't have any answer for me (laughs) whatsoever. He just kind of like shrugged his shoulders. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And I walked out of the school building that day, very, downtrodden, figured that that was just going to be the end. And who was I to think that I could do this? Cause obviously I didn't, I was naive. I'd come in here thinking that I was a musician and I was ready to do this and ready to learn how to do this. And obviously I was wrong. Um, and so I walked toward the student services building to withdraw. So that I could just, you know, nip it in the bud, save myself the embarrassment. And when I got to the student services building, I remember, like, trying to calm my nerves. And I went into the restroom for a little bit. And as I was sitting there, like, taking some deep breaths, uh, the music playing overhead a song came on, and I hear the voice singing, Who, child, things are gonna get easier. Who, child, things will be brighter. And for whatever reason, just hearing that gave me so much confidence and courage to keep going. You know, it felt like an answer to that prayer in my heart of, like, I don't think I can do this. And then that comes on, and I hear it, and I chose to believe it. I did not withdraw, and I decided, you know what? I am not quitting. I am going to go home, and I am going to study my butt off, and I am going to pass this exam with flying. Colors Because that is how Holly does things. That's how she gets it done. So I did. I went. I happened to see uh, my former choir teacher from high school. At the high school. I don't remember why I needed to go to my former high school. Um, but I had mentioned like, oh, I have this huge music theory test coming up and I have no idea what I'm doing. And he grabbed a, an old music theory textbook and workbook from his office and he said, you know, I don't need these anymore. This is, from, this is like old textbooks from AP Music Theory, which I didn't take in high school, wish I had. Um, and he said, you can have these. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, you can take these home. So I took those home and I studied I studied, I studied, I studied, I studied, I studied, I studied! And when I came back and I took that test, I got one question wrong. So I believe that my score was a 98 out of 100, and I did it. So you can do it. Don't let the the idea of theory overwhelm you. And in fact, once you get into it and you start learning it, it is fantastic fascinating. It is empowering. It is exciting. It's addicting in many ways because it opens your eyes up to the true science behind music, which which is a thing I had never before considered because I just did not know the reality of, you know, the science of the different harmonic uh, frequencies and things like that and how they divide and, and combine and it's just all fascinating fascinating, fascinating I loved it I loved being a composition student um, I still have a lot more to learn I am not a music theory pro but the knowledge that I have learned has been incredibly, incredibly useful to me Now, if you feel that you don't have the time or the money or the ability to go back to school as a music composition student, that's okay. There are so many tools out there to help you learn beginning music theory. And I will link some in the show notes for this episode on my webpage. Um, There are apps, even simple basic apps. I'm opening up my phone right now so that I can remember the names of a couple of them. Um, So there is an app just called Theory Lessons. And it starts with just the basics, like just the basic, basic, basics, and has little quizzes for you as you go along to help you check your knowledge. That's a good one. There's one called Tenuto. And it has some very cool tools in here. It has, I'm just looking through here. It helps you learn the notes, key signatures, intervals, scales, chords, all that kind of stuff. Uh, How to, you know, key signature construction, interval construction, scale construction, all those kinds of things. Um, And it has fretboard stuff which I need to learn more about guitar, guitar and percussion. Those are my weak spots. Um, but it has ear training in here, which is really important, uh, training your ear to be able to hear those intervals so that you can notate quickly. That's really important. Um, and there's, uh, calculators in here, which are amazing. Chord calculators, analysis calculators, interval calculators, um, that help, you be able to become more familiar with why chords are spelled the way they are spelled. And if you are at the you know, the beginning stages of your music theory knowledge, you find a chord that you really like but you don't know what it's called, you can go in here into this app to Nudo, you can enter the chord and it will tell you what that chord is the way that you spelled it. Um, yeah. So those are two free resources that are Very, very, very cool. And there are a lot more. There are tons of free online classes that you can take. So don't give in to this idea that unless you pay for a college music composition degree, that you will not be able to get the skills that you need to do this, because it's simply not true. Um, And many of the most amazing musicians are basically self-taught. Um, always a good idea to get lessons from the pros, (laughs) to get lessons on form and things like that. If you're going to be a performing musician at the keyboard or, or what have you, but you can learn these things. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on quickly for this episode with music is to be a willing and positive collaborator who receives the talents and the contributions of others with joy. There can be a lot of weird egos when it comes to any creative industry, especially something related to the performing arts. Um... People can just get weird. They can get weird about it. They can get weird about their own ideas. Everything is precious. They feel that everybody's trying to steal their ideas or they're not getting enough credit for something or someone else is trying to take credit for something that they don't deserve. Don't do that. Don't be like that. Be a positive and willing collaborator. So what I mean by that is know where your skill set ends and be okay with that. And don't overpromise yourself when you know inside that's not your strong suit, that's not your strong point, right? No, my skills can go this far. And past that point, I need a professional to take over. And when that professional takes over, I will allow them the ability to do that with my full blessing with my full energy, supportive energy, with my full gratitude, I will thank them for what they are bringing to my project. I will be open to their ideas and the things that they can do that will help me to learn and grow as a writer or a musician. And to see your project differently, Yes, you may be the original writer. Yes, you had the original idea. Yes, you were the one fleshing it out. And yes, at the end of the day, you know, if you have a good producing team and a good creative team behind you, you are still basically at the helm. You're the one making the decisions. You are the one steering the ship in many ways. But it's become a group project. If you can't handle group projects, then you shouldn't be writing theater. You have to learn to be a team player in theater or your stuff will get nowhere. Nobody will like working with you and you'll be miserable your whole life. So it is best at this point right now to decide that you will be a pleasant person to work with who isn't precious about their ideas, who isn't close-fisted about their ideas and who is trusting in the process and trusting that you will be able to feel things out with your team when it comes to that point. Now there are plenty of months and months and years often leading up to having a full creative team in place. And in, you know, those months and years you can sometimes fall prey to your own echo chamber of yourself and you get so you're so inside of your story it's very hard to have that perspective. So I highly recommend having an outside person, even in those first formative writing weeks and months, um, to bounce things off of because you in your mind see or show differently than other people do. And, and having that outside input is so important. So if you have local playwriting groups that will allow you to bring in uh, a script with Even if it's just rough recordings of you sitting at the piano, singing through the songs, just so you can hear it out loud in a room and have people ask questions, give you some feedback and don't be precious about it. And don't get your feelings hurt over it. And don't be dramatic about it. Go in there wanting them to point out to you what can be made better, because that's why you get feedback. You don't go to get feedback so that everyone can say, oh, you're such a genius. It's so amazing. If that's what you're looking for, then maybe this isn't what you should be doing. Go wanting to know how to make it better. Um, Share it with a friend. Share it with an old theater teacher. Say, hey, will you listen to this for me? And and see what you think about that. Um, So yeah, So as your skills grow, then you can grow in your role as the show's writer, as the show matures and develops. But just know where your limits are and be willing to collaborate in a positive and healthy way. Sometimes collaborations can go wrong. Sometimes boundaries do need to be drawn. Sometimes people do go too far. Those instances are going to be far and you know, few and far between. Really, truly, most people are good. Most people want to create beautiful things. Yes, there are toxic people out there in theater. There are toxic people everywhere, no matter what genre or what career field you're in. Don't focus on that. Don't try to look and find the people who are ruining everything. Don't focus on why you are marginalized or why your work is being misconstrued or this, that, and the other. Just blah. Blah throw that negativity away, focus on creating and doing so with a generous and a grateful heart and the universe will conspire with you. It will come together. It will bring into your life the people who you need to create this story and bring it to life. One tiny quick story about that and then I'll wrap up uh, just getting ready to do demo recordings, um, on the 18th, I decided with my life coach, like what steps do I need to do to get this project, keep going on this certain project decided I want to do demo recordings. And she said, okay, I want you to focus your energies on who it is. You want to sing these first couple of songs that we're going to get, you know, laid down. And right away, my mind went to Austin. I loved the way that he portrayed the character, Tyler, in that first reading. But he had moved to New York City, and here I am in Portland, and everything shut down, you know, still at that time back in the spring um, when I had decided to plan on doing this. But that's who I wanted, and so I was holding him in my intentions and busy throughout the next day, but thinking, like, I'll reach out to him and see, like, maybe we can figure something out. Well, I haven't spoken with Austin in probably a year at this point, and out of nowhere, later that day... I get a message from him saying, Hey, Holly, I just wanted to reach out because I cannot stop thinking about Welcome to Zion. I miss the music so much. Do you happen to have a recording of it so I can listen to it again? I just, I find myself singing the songs all the time. And I just, you know, what's going on with the show? I I would love to still like be involved if I can. Yeah. <laughs> And so I responded like, Austin, are you freaking kidding me? I have been thinking about you all day because I just decided I'm gonna do demo recordings and I want you to do it, but aren't you in New York City? And he said, I just moved back to Portland. And so we were able to get things planned and scheduled and the the universe wants you to succeed. I promise you this. I know that sounds like woohooery, and you will hear more woohooery as we go along in this podcast journey together. The universe wants you to succeed. You have stories that the world needs to hear. The things you can say, the things that you write, the things that you create will change people's lives. Keep going. That is the end of episode four. Happy creating, everyone. And I will see you for episode five. See you next Friday.